0: Bridge Toll California customer service
1: number Highway miles to the gallon Ford Focus Thailand Cave
0: rescue operation
1: What is schema F Best wine bars in San Carlos California
0: Best Western Hotels
1: How old is Ronaldo What happened
0: with Big Brother's
1: engagement
0: How long gift? before a wedding should I send How many out save the, dates? Are in the first series? Use IMAP the
2: to check mail on other email clients Identify fonts from Where, where to find the raw
0: ride stock Recent
1: And this week, we're going to be discussing why I ignore EAT. Joining me is Dan Shore, who is the owner of Evolving SEO, which is an SEO agency. And he's also the podcast host of Experts on the Wire. Dan and I are going to be discussing why we ignore EAT. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told
0: you that you could monitor your website's SEO health backlinks and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not.
1: Okay, here's my conversation with Dan Shore. Dan, welcome to the Voice of Search podcast. How are you doing? I am great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to this. So we're kind of diving into a little controversial thing here, right? I mean, we're literally ignoring what Google's advice is. So why should we be ignoring Eat?
2: So I like to start this off with a quick little anecdote of a very interesting, weird thing that happened with a client that I had. And then I'll talk about more like generalities around this. But for about a year, I worked with a client that grew their blog from about a thousand visits a month to over a hundred thousand visits a month. Some of their topics related to diet, nutrition, food choices, et cetera. They also had a lower domain authority site, but we focused entirely on really good high quality content, which I can go into detail on in a moment. And one really weird thing happened. So they achieved all this growth. It took about nine months or so, nine to 12 months. And the one of the three main authors that created half of this content around diet and food, which typical eat topical areas, he left the company. And upon leaving the company, they took his name off of all of the blog posts he had written and just replaced it with the company name like editorial team or whatever they did not lose one ounce of rankings or traffic or anything after that author's name was removed from the content and of course as we all know a classic sort of thing involving eat is to put the author name put medically reviewed like all these classic kind of eat things which are the types of things that i ignore in the sense that i do not believe that they contribute to any kind of rankings whatsoever and so I tell that story because it's one example of this sort of like very strong classic eat signal being taken away and then the site still maintaining its success after that. So if having an author name or these sort of eat signals on your page was such a primary important ranking factor, why all the time do we see content rank without those kinds of signals? Right. And so that's a I think a useful story to know about because what you hear a lot about in the kind of mainstream SEO world is everyone's talking about eat google's talking about eat people are saying this content doesn't have enough eat that's why it's not ranking and in my practice of SEO as long as eat has been a thing in the SEO world I have not paid attention to it at all yet regularly have a system and a process in which I can grow traffic through content on medical sites, on nutrition-based sites, on financial topics, solely focusing on the aspects of the content itself, not these sort of eat author like vague signals. I think, and if you actually, there was a point in time where I went back and reviewed the history of like, why did all of a sudden this become like a thing in the SEO world? And if we all remember, I think it was around 2017 or 18 when the so-called medic update happened, which by the way, I do not think was a medic update whatsoever. There was a tweet by a person whose name I don't remember now. It was somebody not very well known in the SEO world, but the tweet from this person said something like, oh, well, sites must not have had enough eat. And then that's why the medic update happened and they lost results. And then a very well-known SEO celebrity-like person that I'm not going to throw into the bus necessarily, but he put out a tweet saying something to the effect of, If the tweet was more to be clever rather than actually diagnostic, the tweet was, oh, if you didn't have enough EAT, Google ate your traffic. Ha, 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 like that kind of thing. And then it spiraled from there where all the SEOs like kind of grabbed onto that. And then it sort of seemed like Google's like webmaster slash actually like PR machine grabbed onto that. And they're like, EAT just became the new stand in for quality content. From Google, right? So now Google can just say, well, make sure you have good eat. And it sounds like they're saying something helpful and of substance, more specific than just quality content. When at the end of the day, eat, saying have good eat, even saying each term individually, expertise, authority, trust, and then the new term, which is experience, they're all super vague and they don't actually tell you how to make your content better, right? They're just these vague sort of ideas of, having good quality content. So from a practical standpoint, as tempting as it is in the SEO world, for myself and others as an SEO to try to become popular for SEOs and say things that SEOs are going to grab onto and retweet and agree with. My philosophy is always like my number one goal is to help the business owner and help my clients. And if I start practicing eat, then I'm not helping my clients. I've always focused on the things that help my clients get results, which I can get into in more detail, like the things that I focus on instead of eat. But that's been my philosophy on it from day one. And when you really step back and look at it, you're like, okay, authority, great. (laughs) Like that could be like a million different things, but at the end of the day, and Google said a million times, eat is not a ranking factor. And we don't even know if it's necessarily a ranking influence. All we know is that it's the... QA mechanism that Google uses with their quality raters to tell them if the algorithm is doing what it should. It's just a QA check, but it's not an actual direct impact to the algorithm or a part of the algorithm. So I'd be happy to talk more about what I do focus on. Sure. But that is why I ignore eat in a practical sense.
1: I love that. And it's interesting, right? Like, expertise, authority, and trust, right? This tagline that Google's been touting for a while, been part of their guidelines. And, you know, I mean, interestingly enough, we're actually running into a a headwind here in the sense that a lot of businesses are contemplating how they generate content and where that content comes from. And, Need I say the scary word, chat GPT, and that we're going to use language learning models and other AI capabilities to build all of our content. And now this whole question of EAT really comes front and center. And your kind of perspective here on ignoring it has much more validity than it did before. So um, really my main question here for you, Dan, is as business owners, what is valuable from these concepts these theoretical concepts that we should be taking away irrespective of their individual subjective components is there anything of value that we should be thinking about when looking at at these general concepts around expertise authority trust experience and then the reality that we're facing which is a new world or paradigm around how we generate content
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the way I think of it is when you think of an author that's an expert or they have authority, they're going to generate an output of content, text on the page that Google will analyze directly and recognize what makes that content high quality, authoritative, complete, et cetera. I believe that Google probably maps out, okay, for a medical paper, what kind of grammar does it use if it's high quality? Is it noun or verb driven? What kinds of language? Like Google seeing the footprint of what was generated by an expert. It'd be like if I sat down a, a beginner pianist, right? And you just took the notes of the output of what they played banging on the keys. You could analyze that output and then kind of infer that, okay, this was not created by an expert. But we can all listen to a, a great song or whatever and know... That it was created by somebody that's good without even knowing who that musician is right so what i think you can take from it is the output of your content needs to show google the signals that they're looking at which i can get into which would be like topically complete clear writing good sentence structure matching the right intent of transactional to informational content anywhere along that spectrum speaking to a beginner level or advanced level, depending upon the topic and your audience, right? Because this is all relative to the search query that you're searching. So you want to, businesses should focus on what is the output of text that is ultimately created, no matter the source. So that'd be number one. I think number two, there are some things that are a little practical. I mean, when you do think about the idea of showing authority or trustworthiness or all these terms are like somewhat interchangeable. I do think external linking is can be a strong and powerful way to show if you're writing a medical paper or financial paper to cite your sources, to link to sites that Google does um, when they analyze your link profile and they look at where those links go, that it can show Google that this is su- supporting that page topically and with stats and everything. Right. So if the reader wants to go and explore more that they can. So I I do think there's a little something to like having those external links to show resources. But at the end of the day, largely what I help the businesses that I work with do is really make sure that the text, that the words in the page primarily like being the primary ranking factor, make sure that those are well optimized no matter who has created the content. So that to me is what really matters, right? Is the output of text and how that text is optimized. As far as other things to take away from EAT, expertise, authority, trust. I mean, you know, it's funny because I'm saying those words and I'm like, what do they even really mean? Like trust? Okay. (laughs) I guess there's a thing to having good, a trust would be one, maybe there's some tangible things. But again, it's funny because I enter into trust through the lens of having good UX, or thinking about good conversion rate practices, like having testimonials. But one thing that can convey trust is your site design, right? Like we all know that you can influence people to be more likely to link to your site by having a nice design, having a design that doesn't look too commercial necessarily, uh, depending upon the space you're in. So all these things can be influences and can convey enough that like, hey, you can trust my site enough to link to it. But I would file these all in their own, like existing buckets anyways, without having to call them expertise, authority, trust, and experience. So it might be interesting to get into a few more of like the text-based optimizations that I do recommend for companies that I work with. One of the biggest ones being topical completeness. There's a tool that I love and use called Content Aced. It does some things a little similar to maybe like ClearScope or whatever, but it will crawl Google... Analyze the top 20 ranked pieces of content, use the BERT algorithm from Google and AI and spit back out a a word map essentially of the gaps and topics that your content does not have, but those top ranked sites in Google have for that keyword. And this can be super insightful and filling in those topical gaps is a way, way better use of time and effort and energy and focus than thinking about some abstract concept of, of eat, right? That's one of the primary types of optimizations that I work on with sites.
1: Love that. You know, one of the interesting things is, and I want to to be careful about not getting too much into the weeds here is my biggest concern around EAT is that there's this propensity for SEOs and in particular, the SEO news and the SEO online community to go right into this like tactical strategy of how you solve EAT right like you started off by saying like oh man you got to have the author's name on here like really does that really make sense in every category or every vertical not at all right and i think that you're onto something here which is like tactics are a component of this but it, they're not really the full spectrum on what eat really means for google and there's there's more to this than what meets the eye and just adding authorship or backlinking to specific websites or referencing a Wikipedia article or having writers who have PhDs is the solution. Like that's not necessarily the solution. There's no cookie cutter approach to this. And real quick, I mean, we worked with a medical website and, and I'll actually plug it here. It's called empathy.com. And they, they help people go through really tough stuff. Like when a loved one passes away, they help those individuals kind of go through the entire process, both from like a counseling, but also like a, from a physical documentation and other processes that that you need to go through when when you lose a loved one and it took a long long time for us to gain traction with SEO. SEO was a really tough hill to climb and it makes a ton of sense, right? Like if you're trying to like rank for something like losing a child or losing a grandparent, like those aren't easy things to rank for cuz Google is not just going to put any old new website number 1. Like it, it makes sense, right? To protect users and protect the integrity of what google's
0: trying to do. Time for a 1-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number 1 on Google. You could pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges, or you could work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E
1: dot I-O. And so this kind of leads me to this question, which is how should business owners, how should SEOs be taking the mantle of EAT to their clients, to their partners, and how should they be communicating about this? Because the tactic communication, the tactical do this, do that, isn't really the solve in in its entirety. There's more to this conversation. And I'm curious to get your take, Dan, and what is missing? I, if you
2: want to know, honestly, what I tell my clients about Eat, I tell them to not even pay attention to it. (laughs) Tell them like, this is not a practical thing to, like you said, it doesn't derive of any tactics. It doesn't give them anything tangible to actually do. So what I tell them is I tell them, This is a little bit more PR from Google. It's just a stand in for quality content. There's nothing practical here. Let's actually shift the conversation and focus on these distinct things that are actually either strategically practical or tactically practical, right? So one thing I talk a lot about with clients is brand search volume. Now we could go, well, brand search volume, that could show Google trust, so that's eat, right? But why not just like focus on brand search volume as a distinct metric? Because I can tell you how many times a site will come to me and they'll be like, we're not ranking for stuff. And then all their competitors have 20,000 searches a month or more with their brand name and they have 2000. And you're like, well, domain authority or, or page rank or whatever, link, your link profile is part of that big picture. But brand search volume is like, in my opinion, a huge, not often talked about ranking factor." Because Google has the data, they like data sources and metrics that are not noisy, right? Think about how noisy an eat, a quote unquote, eat signal is like an author name, like there's so much noise around that. But it's pretty clear to Google how many people search your brand a month, and then click on your domain. And then the even better one is how many people search your brand plus your keyword, nerd wallet insurance. If you look at how many people search nerd wallet, like insurance a month, it's like more than most of their competitors' brand names alone. So I'm really big on these like just big areas that companies are not aware of. And a lot of the mainstream SEO world doesn't talk about it. But to me, it's like, okay, that's a huge elephant in the room, right? Just your brand, no one's searching for your brand. So Google isn't going to rank you as highly. Like that kind of makes sense to me. So yeah, when people ask about eat, I just, I don't spend more than 30 seconds on it and we move on. So
1: I think that's a beautiful narrative there which is brand SEO and often underutilized underinvested area is really where the majority of your clout is going to come around eat. And there's a lot that can be done around branded SEO. I mean, I talk a lot with our clients and our partners about navigation and how that can impact site links and and what site links are we trying to push throughout our ecosystem. And it's comical because brand SEO isn't hard to solve, but it takes time and effort like any other SEO task. And it's it's really a great direction for helping brands establish their footprint in search and their credibility long-term with Google.
2: So one more food for thought about to piggyback on brand and why that could be even more important in the future. Think about if ChatGPT and AI eventually one day kills or greatly diminishes informational queries because people can get the answer in a chatbot now versus top 10 web marketing examples or whatever like like a blog content brand seo becomes even more important because you're going to need to build your brand search volume and people knowing about specifically i want to go to investopedia for investing information so they google the brand they skip the informational searches, but they have an end destination website in mind, right? So I think if this sort of AI-based search does kind of kill off informational SEO, blogs, articles, blah, 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 companies are going to want to think a lot more about how to get people Googling their brand and how people can think of their company as a destination. It's almost like Hopefully I I hope the web becomes a little more spread out again where it's not Google the gateway to getting to information where it's actually like, oh, I remember this like insurance website. Let me just go there and do an internal search. Right. So maybe that day will come when people want information from an actual business.
1: No doubt. That I think would be a, a definite influence in terms of maybe even evolving the way you can build your brand or you can build your footprint even in, in search. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest things for most companies that have no brand credibility is how do I build that up to a place where my other longer tail, quote unquote, content now is performing and ranking well in search. Well, Dan, any last comments here or thoughts on why we should bail on EAT before we wrap up this episode?
2: Yeah, I would just say for anybody that's focused on eat a lot, just flip it around in your mind where work on all the other more specific things first content structure, topical completeness, writing quality, transactional language, like, do all that stuff first. And then if still nothing is working, right? Eat is the icing on the cake. It's not the thing. So I would just say, like, think of, if you want to still do, we fine. like I still have people put an author profile on a website because that's good for users. Right. But I would just think of that as a secondary thing, not the primary way you're going to optimize a site.
1: Awesome. Okay, that wraps up why I ignore eat episode on the Voices of the Search podcast. Thanks to Dan Shore, owner of Evolving SEO and podcast host of Experts on the Wire. This was part one of this interview. Tomorrow, Dan and I will be publishing and discussing 8020 growth for SEO. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Dan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact him on Twitter where his handle is Dan underscore Shore, S-H-U-R-E, or visit his company website, evolvingseo.com, or Experts on the Wire podcast in any of your streaming partner apps.